to another Intersec podcast and in our episode today we're going to explore the new realities of securing critical and national infrastructure and indeed whether the existing security solutions we have in place are adequate in a post-pandemic post -pandemic world. And joining us virtually all the way from Texas, USA, is Danielle Van Zandt, who is an industry analyst for security at global adversary firm Frost & Sullivan. Danielle, thanks for being with us today. Absolutely, Gareth. It's great to be here. Great to be here. So it's been, a, been more than a year, in fact, since uh, COVID-19 was actually declared a pandemic. Um, have you observed a significant increase in new threats to critical national infrastructure since uh, since the outbreak um, a year ago, well, more than a year ago now? Yeah, we actually did um, when we were, and this was just from you know mid twenty twenty when we started to notice notice. Um, so when you compared the number of attacks that were occurring between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, you noticed a big increase in um, cyber attacks or digital attacks rather than um, what we call the physical attacks. You know, think of things sure. like bombings, a break-in, those kinds of attacks, um, much more shifting to the cyber side, mostly because when you think about it, everybody was locked in their houses. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And so I guess that, that sort of brings on to, I guess, the sophistication and evolution of attacks is kind of, I guess, it's advanced as well, particularly against critical national infrastructure, um, and more so in the digital world. That, that's exactly it. It's, it's been that acceleration of digital attacks, um, as mm. well as almost a, a, an expansion of the traditional definition of what you think of as critical infrastructure. Mm. You, know, you typically think of a utility, electrical company, water companies, um, oil and gas kinds of um, entities. Um, but mm -hmm. we saw this huge uptick in attacks against, you know, pharmaceutical companies, against mm. hospital systems. Um, obviously during the vaccine research and development phases. So uh, it, it's almost like healthcare has now become part of that critical infrastructure definition. Mm. And do you think um, the defenses that have been put up against now, uh, against uh, these potential threats against um, healthcare, talking about healthcare, for example, are they sufficient? Are they adequate? Do we need to do more? We definitely need to do more. Um, one of the biggest challenges for critical infrastructure is a lot of them are still in the first phases of um, securing their systems. Mm. Um, they don't know precisely what they have, so they don't precisely know what all they need to protect against mm. and, and what itself they need to be protecting. Mm. Is it this mm. device type? Is it that device type? So it's figuring out all of those factors and then trying to get started. And specifically, what kind of threats are we seeing now? So there, you can almost group them in three types. There's uh, the malicious actors. So these are the traditional insider threats that um, it, it's, it's an employee, it's someone who's within the organization that causes some sort of um, disruption to operations or takes down a system. So those are the malicious insiders, but you also have what we call the inadvertent insiders. Um, think of the employee that opens the phishing email on their company email. Um, they don't mean to cause an issue, but they did. Mm -hmm. um, and then the one you traditionally hear about are those outsider attacks, the hackers, um, the state actors who are breaking into these facilities usually digitally to steal some kind of data to cause a ransomware attack to make some sort of 
disruption that will benefit them. Mm. And out of out of these three threats, what's our most prevalent? I, I, I'd imagine outsider attacks would be the most obviously probably the most um, dangerous, you could say. But uh, uh, what is most prevalent prevalent at the moment? Uh, you're absolutely right. The outsiders are definitely the most dangerous. But when it comes to prevalency, which ones you're going to see the most? It's going to be those inadvertent hackers. Um, mm. Because human error is still definitely the biggest, um, the biggest vulnerability that any organization can face. Mm. Has COVID nineteen had a significant impact? I guess on on organizational security spending. I mean, again, I guess that would be that would be natural. I mean, I guess budgets across the board have kind of been slashed. Is that also the case when it comes to security spending? Are our entities spending more or less since COVID nineteen began? For critical infrastructure, there's actually been a little bit of an increase, um, and okay. mostly that's because a lot of them had to go to remote, and they've never had those kinds of operations before. So when you're setting up that remote access, you have to make sure it's secure, um, mm. and then it causes them to look more at their operational structure um, and see how they can extend those to their other systems that may be on premise, but they still need to act to be able to activate them via remote access because, you know, sometimes their employees can't leave home. Mm, true. It said, I'm obviously talking to you here from Dubai in the UAE, you're obviously in the USA. Um, here in the Middle East, it's been people are saying that it's kind of like a cyber pandemic pandemic when we're talking about security, commercial security and, and cyber security. Um, in 2020 alone, it said that there was a 250% increase in cyber cyber attacks in the UAE. Um, in your perspective, from your perspective, are particular regions being targeted more um, when it comes to critical national infrastructure? Well, so the U.S. itself um, is always the top target, um, both from state actors and hackers. Um, it, it's just a lucrative target base. Um, they, if you can't hit the larger cities, go for the smaller cities and the smaller utilities that don't have as much security. Mm. Um, but there are some regions that are um, becoming a bit more prominent. Um, one that really shot up during the pandemic is the Asia Pacific region in general. A lot of it was towards China, um, thinking of trying to get the information behind COVID-19 origins, um, initial okay. vaccine research and development. Um, so that kind of almost cyber espionage to try to get those answers about the origins. Um, mm. But then we, we also have escalations of state attacks that continue in the Eastern European region. And typically those are Russian backed. Okay. Um, Government obviously has a key key role to play um, when we're talking about policing, obviously the digital world and what more can they do uh, to, to to stop potential digital breaches and, and um, you know, secure national infrastructure, critical national infrastructure, of course. Well, government to government, um, because you could think of some government entities as critical infrastructure too. Um, and, and it needs to be treated as, you know, major cyber attacks to those entities can also be considered a form of warfare um, and they need to be treated as such. Uh, a big example that I have in my head is solar winds here in the US. That was a larger act of aggression that targeted um, those government entities and organizations connected there. Um, as far as policing and helping to secure the critical infrastructure side, regulations are going to be a huge help. Um, it's sure. kind of a, a wild, wild west. Some regions have a little bit, 
um, or some specific segments have their own regulations. Um, one example that's being uh, picked up and, and will probably serve as a foundation for other regional or segment-based regulations is um, they're called the NERC-SIP regulations here in North America. Um, mm -hmm. They're specifically governing utilities, but it provides really good guidance for their digital and their physical security. And it's being used as a good base to springboard for other regions, like um, the European Union is using them to form what are going to be called their ANISA regulations. Have IP-based CCTV, I mean, here in the UAE, of course, there's so much security surveillance, um, probably one of the most per capita um, in IP-based CCTV networks. Um, have these been kind of, has there been an extra sort of an uptake or a, a concerted effort to hack IP-based CCTV net, net networks um, during the pandemic or post-pandemic or even mid-pandemic as we are now, or have they largely been spared from cyber attacks? Uh, well, there hasn't been a specific uptake with CCTV camera networks, but um, they're always seen as a very good starting point for a lot of hackers trying to get into a system. Mm -hmm. um, and it's especially easy when you have kind of a mixed environment, where you have older cameras and newer cameras mixed together. And at the same time, they're um, where they're all trying to connect together and um, yeah, that inadvertent gap in security between the two types. When it comes to operational technology, what are specific challenges to protect operational technology systems? And are current solutions in place adequate in this mid pandemic that we're currently in? Sure. Um, so operational technology systems are very different from traditional IT security systems. Uh, and because of that, they need to be protected differently. Many of them are older. Many of them are programmed to function differently than IT systems. Um, and because of that, a lot of cybersecurity solutions that were designed to protect IT-based systems, if you try to carry that over into the OT side, there's going to be a lot of um, missed information. You're either not going to pick up when a device is acting strange, when it's misconfigured, um, when some sort of vulnerability has been taken advantage of, it's very possible that IT solutions can miss that. So mm -hmm. that's why this entire, I don't want to call it a sub-industry because at this point it's, it's large enough um, that it's really making some significant gains. But the operational um, OT cybersecurity industry is really, it was created to solve that problem. Um, and, and now that a lot of organizations are realizing their risk, they're seeing a lot of significant gains. Danielle, we're almost we're coming to the hub. We're still very much mid pandemic. Um, I know that it's still millions and millions of cases a day. Um, but as, as the vaccine starts to roll out and um, as we start to reach a tipping point in the, in the COVID-19 pandemic, what would be the next steps to improve overall security for critical infrastructure uh, organizations in a post-pandemic world, I guess, let's say, we're probably talking, I guess, the end of the year, perhaps early next year, the next steps, what do we need to do? Mm -hmm. So for a lot of these critical infrastructure organizations, they're already thinking about what you can call their digital resiliency journeys. Um, mm -hmm. The first step of that 
is going to be visibility, understanding what all you have, how it's all connected, how it all works together. Um, and, and obviously, then the next question would become, how do you secure that? Mm. Um, so getting that foothold over what their network looks like, how it operates, um, and then what security gaps they have is going to be the next basis to really step up their digital maturity, but also make themselves much more secure because um, we don't foresee that these digital attacks are going to stop once the pandemic's over. Unfortunately, this is just mm -hmm. going to be the next phase. Danielle, I know it's early morning in Texas where you are. I think it's around seven, quarter past seven in the morning. So I'll, I'll let you go and I'll let you have some breakfast. It's a pleasure having you on our show today. And um, we'll, we'll hopefully catch up again in the future as well. Absolutely, Garrett. Um, this is a good way to wake up today. So um, always happy to chat. So thank you for listening in. Uh, remember to subscribe to our Intersect podcast series. You can go to our website at intersectexpo.com. Of course, follow us on social media at Intersect. Expo, of course, this podcast is also being hosted on our Intersect Live 365 platform, our 24-7 community portal for security professionals worldwide. So do stay tuned for future podcasts. We're going to be planning another few more in the months and weeks ahead, weeks and months ahead. Until then, stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you all soon.